Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings at Walt Disney World. I'm Carrie Hayward, and each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with Adam Starkey and Ted Scooty about their wedding at Disneyland. And I thought you guys would love to hear about this elaborate affair they had and how they pulled it all together, complete with custom pretty much everything, <laughs> and of course, how it all turned out. So welcome, Adam and Ted. Thank you. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I'd love to start at the very beginning and find out how you guys decided you wanted to have your wedding at Disneyland. Well, it started with the fact that we have really always enjoyed going to Disneyland together and have made kind of an annual trip to Gay Days, which happens the first weekend in October. And as a result, we have many cast member friends and local friends in L.A. So when we looked about getting married and Ted surprised me with a proposal at Carthay Circle, it just seemed natural that the right place to have the event was Disneyland. That's fantastic. And how did your friends and family react? Were they like, well, of course, or were they totally shocked? <laughs> it was definitely the well, of course. And honestly, many of them were very excited because what they did was they turned it into vacations with their families and spent time in the park as well as the wedding, which was our hope. So it worked out very well in that regard. That's awesome. How many people did you invite and how many ended up making the trip? Well, we had a series of events. So we had our welcome dinner, which was our immediate family and the wedding party. And that was 21 people. For the rehearsal dinner, we invited everyone who was invited to the wedding. So we had 114 people at the rehearsal dinner. That was 100 adults and 14 children. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little unusual for it to be so large. And then at the wedding, we had 119 adults. Uh, children were not invited to the reception. They were welcome at the cocktail hour and at the wedding. But the wedding reception was very late at night, and it was definitely an adults-only affair. So the uh, children uh, went back to the rooms and had sitters and such uh, during the reception. Now tell me about that, because that can be a hot-button topic when you're planning a wedding. Like, how did you broach that subject with your guests in a way that you didn't step on any toes? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we did at first was we sort of polled a few people that we knew and basically asked them. We said, listen, we know you have young children. Here's the deal. We're doing a black tie wedding on a Saturday night. Would you be okay if the children aren't invited to the reception? And quite honestly, most of them said, fantastic because really it's much too late for kids to be out our wedding reception ran from 9 45 p.m to 2 45 a.m so it was definitely a late night and then in terms of communication we did several things so we put it very prominently on our wedding website so it was very clear we actually had a card that went in with the invitation suite that went only to parents with small children that basically explained uh, the situation. And then we watched the response cards very carefully. I don't actually think we had anyone who RSVP'd for their children, but if that had happened, we would have called them and talked about it directly. 
I mean, in the end, it worked out very well. And I don't, no one said they were offended and they all basically came. So as far as we know, it was good. <laughs> I would even add to that, that the one thing that I think we did differently was we had to create a separate invitation for the rehearsal dinner, which did include the children. And we made a point to add the children's names to the invitation so that it was clear that, the, that they were part of that celebration. And then interestingly, what we heard from a number of folks was the fact that they actually left kids with relatives and grandparents and made the trip themselves to have more of an adult thing. But a lot of our closest relatives brought all their kids and we were able to meet them both the night before at the rehearsal dinner and in some cases catch them throughout the park. Okay, great. Tell me about the locations that you chose and how you decided on them. Sure. And we did use a variety of locations as well. So for the welcome dinner, we did the private dining room at Steakhouse 55. That's the Oak Room. Uh, and that worked very well. We were literally one seat under the maximum for the room. So it was kind of a fingers crossed that we didn't go over that maximum because that would have caused some problems. For the rehearsal dinner, we used the Rainforest Cafe. That was actually not our first choice. Originally, we were going to have the rehearsal at Trader Sam's Enchanted Tiki Bar at the Disneyland Hotel. But unfortunately, we started planning our wedding at exactly 18 months in advance, which we were allowed to do for a wishes wedding. And at 18 months out, it was possible to reserve basically the outdoor areas of Trader Sam's for a large group on a Friday night. But that policy changed as time went on and before our wedding. So it was the Christmas before our wedding when we found out we couldn't use Trader Sam's anymore. And so after looking at lots of different options, we finally landed on Rainforest Cafe. And to be honest, that was probably a uh, blessing in disguise. The manager, uh, Nancy Estevez at Rainforest Cafe, was fantastic to work with. The food was delicious. And what they did was they basically reserved, I would say we had about half of the second floor to accommodate all the people in our party. And people had a great time. There's lots of jungle decor there. So we leveraged that and we turned it into a tiki themed jungle party for the rehearsal. And then for the wedding, we bounced around between the Grand Californian and the Disneyland Hotel. So uh, we got ready in the Adventureland suite at the Disneyland Hotel. Our cocktail hour was in the Brisa Courtyard at the Grand Californian. We got married in the Rose Court Garden at the Disneyland Hotel, and we had our reception in the Sequoia Ballroom at the Grand Californian. We hear it was quite an event to watch our guests walk through downtown Disney in formal attire and black tie to and from the wedding. We haven't seen any pictures from that yet, but we, we hear it was quite fun. <laughs> That's interesting, too, because, yeah, not a lot of weddings these days are black tie. And so to have a black tie wedding at Disneyland, I'm sure they got a lot of a lot of looks. <laughs> they did. And the other thing we did was they actually didn't know necessarily that they were going to move between locations. I mean, we did tell people that we knew had mobility issues, but the invitation invited them to the cocktail hour at the Brisa Courtyard. And then from there, Disney escorted them to the Rose Court Garden and then back to the Grand Californian for the reception. But the reason why we did that was we felt like the Rose Court Garden was absolutely beautiful. And even when we used it late at night, we did have to bring in a lot of lighting. It was gorgeous. And there really wasn't a venue that we thought was as beautiful at the Grand Californian. So that's why we made people jump between the two hotels. Got it. And it's not like at Walt Disney World where you got to take a bus or a car. I mean, they're basically across the street from each other. So 
They are, but some of our guests didn't listen. Like we knew we had somebody who was kind of mobility challenged to begin with, and then she had abdominal surgery like two weeks before the wedding. And we told her, listen, no problem. We'll get you a scooter. And of course she refused. And she discovered it was a bit further of a walk than she'd thought. She was fine, but you know, I really wish she had listened because we did communicate that. But you know, not everybody always will follow what you suggest. Yeah, and, and also the the fact that we all, including yourself, know how close those two locations really are. I mean, they're physically across the street. Disney prefers not to have groups of people walk through the traffic patterns. And so they actually did walk through downtown Disney, which involved going through the metal detectors and security twice, mm-hmm. uh, which they were able to help manage. But it was something that we definitely had to work on with our planner to make sure we understood, you know, what times things were happening, make sure that security knew it was happening. But it worked out very well. And like I say, I think it was really exciting to have kind of people recognize that something big was happening at Disneyland that night, you know, with everybody in black tie. Got it. Now, can you tell me a bit about your theme for, it seemed like the whole weekend was so well-themed. I know that Rainforest Cafe was sort of a second choice, but it seemed to go so well as a sort of casual version of what was to come for the reception. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, in essence, we had multiple themes for the weekend as well. So, uh, the welcome dinner had an Art Deco theme. The rehearsal dinner, we never actually officially called it this, but quite honestly, the theme was tacky tiki. (laughs) And then um, for the cocktail hour, it was a little bit of a Northern California theme because Adam grew up in Northern California and the Brisa Courtyard very much looks like Northern California with all the trees and the ferns and such. For the wedding in the Rose Court Garden, we went Old Hollywood Glamour. And then for the wedding reception, we did Black Tie Tiki and really... From the very beginning, and this began at like the almost two-year mark out, our vision was our wedding reception would be as if Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room had been reimagined by Tom Ford. But we never told anyone that. So none of our guests knew. Actually, our parents didn't even know. So that wedding reception, I mean, they knew they were going to a black tie reception, but they had no idea it was this crazy formal tropical tiki thing until they walked in the room. That's so interesting. And it was so well done because you do think of tiki as being, like you say, tacky and kind of informal. And here was the most glamorous tiki event I'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. It took a lot of planning and it was interesting. Well, you know, one of the things that we ended up doing was we used a lot of outside vendors. And in doing that, even so, we found this concept for the reception decor was a bit of a challenge. And we met with some of the top industry people in Southern California that do decor. And it was kind of mind-bending for some of them for what we were asking. Because normally what they do is tons of fresh flowers. So even the company we use, normally they just do, uh, it's probably a ton or more of hydrangeas, orchids, roses, and we wanted giant leaves instead. And so at first we were getting kind of that furled brow and a look kind of like, I don't really know what we're doing here. Uh, But in the end, uh, we used Square Root, and David Youssef is the main person we worked with. They did an absolutely incredible job of bringing our vision to life. And I would argue, I think it was everything that we thought it would be. And even we were a little nervous walking in, because quite honestly, you just never know. But we were delighted. That's fantastic. So yeah, can you talk about this? Because you guys used a lot of outside vendors and had to coordinate them with working with Disney. How did that all fit together? Well, I I think Ted would agree that the biggest and most important thing 
that we made decision-wise was to engage details, details. And Sarah was just phenomenal at helping us with that coordination. I know that it's possible to have, you know, the brother of the bride or the sister of the, the bride or, or so forth do those kinds of tasks. But really, if you can have somebody that's not part of the wedding or that's not there to enjoy the event, you can really do a lot more. And I think that's what we really saw with Sarah. Yeah. And, you know, I would add, I think I've been listening to your podcast for a very long time, and I have to thank you. It was very helpful in planning this wedding. But one of the things a lot of people talk about is they talk about um, your Disney, your planner, your, you know, your wedding planner from Disney. But the thing about it is really what they're offering, and it is a good service, but what they're offering is more of a venue coordinator. So in other words, anything that you're paying Disney to do, your planner from Disney is in charge of. But the opposite of that is anything that you're not paying Disney to do, they're not in charge of. And so in our case, what Disney provided was the locations and the food and beverage. Beyond that, basically everything else came from other vendors. And so what we started to realize, and actually it was David at Square Root that really emphasized this to us when he said, you must have an outside wedding coordinator come in and have somebody that's basically in charge of the production of your entire day. So if you think of it kind of like the entertainment industry, Sarah Stowell from Details Details was basically the executive producer of our wedding. She was in charge of everything. We had a 13-page timeline that literally went minute by minute as to what was going to happen, what vendor was going where. And the beauty of all of that was it took a lot of time to build that timeline with Sarah. There were multiple revisions, many meetings. I think in the last two weeks, Sarah was on with Michelle Logan from Disney Weddings every single day leading up to the wedding. And we were not part of those discussions because we were busy doing other stuff, including making our display wedding cake, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But having Sarah step in was phenomenal because on the wedding day, we were actually able to relax and enjoy the day. And she handled everything that came up and everything that happened. And there were a couple hiccups that we'll chat about later and how she handled them. But if you're going to do a wedding like we did, or even if you're doing a wedding with a lot of DIY or a lot of things that have to be set up that you're not going to have Disney do, honestly, probably the best money we spent out of everything that we spent on this wedding was having Sarah Stoll and her team come in. And as a side note, it wasn't just Sarah. Sarah had three assistants. So there were actually four people from Details Details that were there all day and working on the wedding. And honestly, all four of them were busy the entire time doing all the different things that needed to be done for our wedding. And really, I just, I cannot recommend them highly enough. Uh, and I don't believe this wedding would have gone anywhere near as smoothly without them in order being able to coordinate and make sure everything was happening when it was supposed to. The thing I would really stress to folks is there are many things that happen on your wedding day that you don't think about in advance. Just the, the matter of moving your parents from point A to point B so that everybody is in the right place at the right time, even making sure that you know people get to hair and makeup on time. These are all things that you really need someone running that day for you. And that's a little bit beyond what the services were that Disney was able to provide because we weren't having all that done by Disney vendors. And so for us, it was absolutely necessary. But I would say, even if you did all of the event activities through Disney vendors, you probably still need somebody 
to help coordinate and make sure that people are getting to the right place because it's an exciting day, right? People run into, you know, friends they haven't seen in a long time and all of a sudden they're late for their hair and makeup appointment. And you just are going to have that if you don't have somebody helping, you know, orchestrate your day. And frankly, it can't be one of the people getting married. It can't be one of the close family or wedding party. It really is helpful to have somebody outside doing that for you. Yeah, and I would add, too, one of the things that we really liked about Details Details was they offered different levels of service. So luckily for us, we actually needed their lowest level of service, which basically is for couples who plan their own wedding, who pick their own vendors, and then need a wedding coordinator to come in and manage all the day of execution. But what Details Details does, it's a little bit different. So there's a lot of companies out there where you can just hire a day of coordinator and they come in basically on the day of your wedding and execute. But what Details Details found was just coming in on the day of the wedding doesn't give them enough background and they don't know enough to make decisions and judgment calls on what the couple would want when something goes awry. So what you do is when you hire one of their coordinators, they work with you for two months before your wedding. And so you work on the timeline with them, you have phone calls with them, emails if you need to vent, you work with them basically as you would in their full service line, but only for the last two months. And really, that's all we needed, and it worked out very, very well. So I would say for Disney couples who are looking at doing a wedding with lots of moving parts, I would really consider hiring an overall wedding planner. And by the way, Sarah Stoll from Details Details did a really good job in collaborating with Michelle Logan and the Disney Fairy Tale Weddings crew. So they definitely worked together. It's not like we had Sarah and didn't use Michelle. Michelle did everything that she was going to do anyway, and then Sarah came in and helped to handle all the rest. Okay, got it. So Disneyland doesn't have enhancement minimums, because if you only had to pay Disney for the venue and the food, did you have any trouble meeting their minimums, or do they not have that enhancement minimum that Walt Disney World has? You are correct. A Disneyland does not have an enhancement minimum. So what they have instead is they have a fee for the venue, and then they have a minimum in terms of food and beverage. The minimum, of course, is tied to the day of the week, the meal that you're serving, and then the minimum number of guests depending upon the venue that you're using. So in our particular case, Because we had 119 guests coming to the reception, we were above and beyond every minimum that they had. So we actually originally had a contract that had a room block in it, but because our wedding was so large with the number of guests, uh, and also because we did both a custom menu We had custom past hors d'oeuvres at the cocktail hour, and we did five hours of the signature bar package. We didn't have to worry about hitting any of the minimums. We were over all of them. And I would also point out that there are little hidden things that you're going to have to manage, whether you use Disney or not, for event things like we needed power for the lighting in the garden. And so even if Disneyland had an enhancement minimum, we would have been beyond it with some of that infrastructure that we needed, you know, power for your DJ, a microphone for the efficient, you know, power for the lighting in the garden, that sort of thing. So I would tell you it's really not hard to hit or or be above that minimum, at least in Disneyland. You know, and actually I want to dovetail off what Adam was just saying there. 
online. So there's, of course, various different groups of people who have weddings at, at the Disney properties. And one of the things that they tend to talk about is if you use outside vendors, Disney will charge you for power. And that is that's true. There, there's no doubt about that. And the power charges can add up. They did in our case because we ended up needing a lot of power. This is especially true because we did our wedding at 8.45 at night in the Rose Court Garden. So it was dark in early October. So we had to bring in enough external lighting that we ended up needing two 60-amp power drops into the garden. The fact of the matter is, though, whether we had done that through Disney or not, as Adam indicates, we would have paid for the power one way or the other. But I guess my advice to other couples would be don't let that power charge stop you from getting bids from outside vendors. Because what we found, and this was true not only with our lighting vendor, but really kind of across the board, generally we found our dollars could go further if we went outside of Disney. That's not to say that it was really a cost savings measure, but we found vendors who were a better fit for what we were looking for. And we do think we got better value than, say, the Disney floral bids that we got back. So we did engage with Disney floral. We had a planning session and they came back with floral and decor bids for both the rehearsal dinner and the wedding itself. And we did compare those with the other vendors before we made our selections. Okay, great. Then let's talk about that. When you were planning, what were these most important aspects where you decided to focus your budget or your time and where maybe you saved your budget and time? In terms of most important, I think for both of us, the number one thing was guest experience. We wanted people to come to this wedding and have a fantastic time. And I think we achieved that. One of my cousins from Iowa said toward the end of the uh, reception, he said, you know, you guys threw one hell of a party. And that's really what we were going for. And I think everybody had a fantastic time. So with that in mind, we really made all of our decisions basically based on guest experience with a couple of exceptions. Like we said before, we made people walk back and forth to the wedding ceremony at the Disneyland Hotel. From a guest experience point of view, it would have been easier to have simply had it at the Grand Californian, but that for us was not where we wanted to do it. But on the other hand, we wanted to make sure that there would be adequate food and drink all the time at the wedding. That's really important. Growing up in my family, whenever my relatives would entertain, and I'm talking like my grandparents' generation, there was always enough food and beverage. I grew up in an Italian family, so you can imagine having enough food was always a concern. So that's good with Disney because, of course, their food is great and it's ample. In fact, we almost requested the opposite. So when we had our tasting, uh, we had a completely custom menu. Uh, one of the things we asked, which at first they kind of had a little bit of a furled brow, but eventually they got it and did a great job with it. We told them we did not want our past hors d'oeuvres to be too large. Normally, those appetizers that Disney provides are much too big, and they're too hard to eat in a cocktail setting with just one hand, because you have to assume your other hand is holding a drink. So we asked them to scale everything down. And they did. They did a beautiful job. Actually, Chef Chris Faulkner, it turns out, grew up in Hawaii. So he was thrilled to be able to do sort of this crazy high-end tiki menu and kind of bring his home of Hawaii into our dinner. So I think that was fantastic. And that guest experience, I would say, probably drove almost all of our decisions. We still did some things for ourselves, like the castle morning shoots and such. But I would say that's our first one. I'd say the second one, in terms of being able to remember everything, was photo and video. 
especially because we realized we would never bring this group of friends and relatives together again, and we really wanted to document it. So as a result, we ended up hiring some really fantastic and very talented people. So our photographer was Dina Douglas of Andrina Photography, and we picked her because she's known for color. So um, she does these beautiful images that have all this color saturation, and they're very dramatic and very bold, and she was fantastic to work with. She also is very good at directing guests. So if you have somebody who's a little bit out of line, she knows exactly what to tell them to do uh, to get the photos that you need. And we really appreciated working with her. And then for the video, we worked with Ari Perlstein of Custom Made Productions in Beverly Hills. And what we did there was we actually asked Dina, once we had picked her, to recommend a videographer that she would want to work with. Because we know how closely the video and photo people have to work together. And so we wanted to make sure we got somebody that Dina would be comfortable with. And Ari turned out to be fantastic. He's also the main video person that Details Details uses on all of their weddings. So in the end, it worked out great. But our, our second priority was photo and video. And then the last one is kind of a catch-all. But it was really our theming, the aesthetics, and the details. So in a way, it's kind of everything else mattered. When we went through the budget, we would try and cut things or de-emphasize things, and we kind of ended up keeping pretty much everything. Uh, we did scale some things back a little bit, but in the end, our philosophy was we were going to do this one time, and we wanted it to be amazing. And I, we were talking about this earlier today. I don't know that there's a single thing we would do differently other than a couple of very minor things along the way. Now, as for what we didn't emphasize, uh, there was a couple things. One is, I know a lot of people that plan weddings give favors. We decided not to do that. We feel like a lot of times they get left in the shuffle of things. So what we decided to do instead was, we had everyone when they arrive at the cocktail hour get onto a step and repeat that was custom printed with the custom illustrations that we had made by Adam Grayson from Studio Grayson in Winter Garden, Florida. He made custom icons of our favorite attractions from Disneyland. And that was on our wedding invitation, and then we also used it for the step and repeat background. So when guests arrive for cocktails, they got their photos taken, and then what will happen is, once we get those pictures back from the photographer, they'll be printed, and guests will receive a printout of their photo from the step and repeat in their thank you note for attending the wedding. So we're doing that instead of favors. And then the other thing we didn't do, I know a lot of Disney couples do this, but character meet and greets really aren't a high priority for us. So we didn't have any Disney characters at the wedding. Okay, this is fascinating. Yeah, I was curious about the custom suite of, you know, the designed icons and the invitation and the background. That's interesting. How did you find that artist? So how we found Adam Grayson is kind of an interesting story. When we began planning the wedding, I do a lot of Googling for inspiration and a lot of image searches. So I have thousands of pictures in folders on my iPad that I use for inspiration. And so I, of course, Googled Disney wedding invitation. And some images came up that were quite beautiful. And so I had to do a little bit of researching, but eventually I found Adam Grayson. And he had done at that time a couple of pretty elaborate wedding suites. I think in the end, our commission for him is probably the most elaborate wedding he's ever worked on because what we did was he did one illustration that was our save the date. Then we did 
was it close to 30 icons for the invitation? And then we had a whole different set of icons that looked different. They were based on the tiki gods in the Enchanted Tiki Garden, as well as uh, gods and decor from Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room for the reception. And there was like another 20 or 25 icons there. So in the end, I think he did like close to 60 illustrations for us. And he was really wonderful to work with. He's a very creative person. We had actually hired a different graphic designer to start with that we had worked on for our business logo, who's a wonderful guy. But it turns out he wasn't a Disney fan. And we didn't realize quite how important it was for somebody to really understand Disney in order to be able to deliver the icons that we needed. All told, I think we worked with Adam for it was at least a year. It might have been closer to a year and a half. I, I think it was about a year. I think also we stretched the concept of, of an original illustration. I mean, usually I think Adam and others are used to designing just the invitation, maybe, and the card, the response card. And what we did with Adam was we actually broke it up into a bunch of modular pieces so that many of those little, if you will, hint of Disney type, you know, whispers could be added to a lot of the different pieces of collateral. Like Ted said, you know, even Adam was surprised when we saw the the step and repeat pictures. I mean, the background is eight feet tall and 12 feet wide. And so, you know, he wasn't expecting that. We had custom made tiki shirts out of the same pattern that Ted and I wore to the rehearsal dinner. That was another surprise. And, you know, it's unusual to take a graphic that you've had printed on an invitation and have it printed as fabric. So I think we really did kind of stretch and, and use a lot of that imagery in a lot of places that people weren't expecting it. And there were several little tie-ins that we did along the way that Ted and I knew about, but we kept as secret and a surprise to our guests, even to our family. One of the, the funniest things that we used was in the original Save the Date illustration, the drawbridge to the castle is a red carpet. And because we had used red elsewhere in the illustration, nobody really noticed until they got to the wedding where everyone entered the garden on a 120-foot red carpet. Wow. There were a number of those kinds of little surprises and, and kind of Disney magic items where we pulled people from one end of the experience through to the other that really, I think, turned out really cute. You may or may not know, but one of the reasons we chose red as one of our signature colors was an homage to the fact that it was Gay Days weekend, which is kind of a special thing for us. And the Gay Days color for t-shirts and everything is always red. So if you go the first week of October and you see lots of people in red shirts, they're all being supportive of Gay Days. So here again, we took a color that meant something to us and we pulled it into the wedding. Got it. Okay. Now, the other thing that I'm so curious about, you guys have a professional cake studio. So how did you find someone to do the cake in a way that would pass muster for you? So we have to laugh at this. I would have to point out to any baker that is out there, don't make your own wedding cake. <laughs> and so Ted and I kind of went in from that perspective, that we knew we were not going to create the actual dessert that would be eaten. Um, and Disney did validate that you can bring in outside food, 
it requires a whole series of, of procedural hoops that you have to jump through, none of which are very easy. And frankly, you know, Disney is talented. They, they can do an appropriate dessert. And I would tell you that Chef Nubia knocked it out of the park with the desserts that we chose. Neither of them were truly cake. So what we did is we're known for very large, very over-the-top, floral-inspired cakes. And we worked with Disney to have our cake made on styrofoam as a decor item. So there's no problem bringing it in. We, we brought in in the, the car. The valet helped us move it. We helped set it up that morning. And, you know, it was a great focal piece for the cake cutting moment. Uh, and indeed, we also did a little homage to our parents and grandparents where we had photos of all of their wedding photos framed around the, the giant cake that we had. And it was something you had to walk past on your way into the reception. And because of that, it worked really, really well. When we got into the, the tasting, you know, we did, like I say, work with Chef Nubia a lot on the dessert selection. And we did sample several of their cakes to try. But from an aesthetic perspective, because we knew we were making this display that would be visible in the room, we let Nubia really kind of run with the tiki-inspired theme, and she created two spectacular desserts. The baked Hawaiian, which was a Dole Whip ice cream and chiffon cake covered in meringue that looked like a mini pineapple that they brulee for everybody, and a dark chocolate lily koi passion fruit cake that was also spectacular. And so uh, each of our couple's guests got to share and, and split, although we did hear from the banquet captain that one or two people did make a request to see if there was an extra of the other dessert so they didn't have to share, um, which was a lot of fun. And uh, they did even save Ted and I two extras so that we could have one at the very, very end of the night. We had a, a little passion fruit uh, chocolate tort snack. Oh, that's nice. And so then what did you cut during the cake cutting? Yeah, so what we did was, basically, we had them create one of the baked Hawaiians, but a slightly larger version. It was probably about maybe 10 inches tall or so. And they brought that out and placed it next to our display cake, and then we, we cut that. And the reason we did that was sometimes when you have a styrofoam cake, you, like, put some cake in there, and then you, like, pretend like you're cutting it. <laughs> but in our particular case, right, we knew we weren't going to actually serve regular cake to people. So we thought we might as well just be upfront about this and actually slice what they're going to get. So that's how we did it. It actually worked out very well. It's interesting. Not a single guest actually said anything about it. Now, part of that would be... The cake cutting was, I want to say, at midnight. So I think some guests were tired and ready to go, so they were just glad to see us cut the cake so they could go. And then, honestly, once those individual pineapple wedding cakes arrived at every other seat, and then that incredible Valrona French chocolate mousse arrived at every other seat, people were so entranced by the desserts. I don't really know that they even paid attention to what we were cutting and what was going on. But the desserts were, just like the rest, I mean, the menu that they created as well for our dinner was absolutely absolutely phenomenal. And it cost a little bit more than one of the normal plated meals, but honestly, not that much more because what they offered was just incredible. And our guests raved about the food. In fact, Sarah Stoll, our planner from Details Details said, it's the best wedding food she's ever tasted. And she does weddings all over the Los Angeles area, including the Beverly Hills Hotel, the Four Seasons, the Ritz-Carlton, Pelican Hill. I mean, quite honestly, the meal we had 
could have been served at Napa Rose or any other fine dining restaurant. We, we were blown away by the food at our wedding. Wow. And did you customize that or did you just say, hey, this is our theme. What can you come up with? Or So what we did there was we gave them a little bit of inspiration. So there is an underground supper club in L.A. called the Coconut Club. And Adam and I have been fortunate to go a couple of times. So what it is, is it's this um, chef, Andy Windack, who is very inspired by Tiki like we are. And so he does this tiki supper club that happens, I think it's maybe once a month is the frequency. And so we had gone there and they do some crazy things. They do the drinks that come out that are on fire and all sorts of things that Disney couldn't do for safety reasons. But we gave them some pictures of some of the food from the coconut club and said, we would like to do something tropical and tiki for our menu and basically go nuts and see what you come up with. And the menu that let's see that chef Chris Faulkner created for us, we basically took it. The only thing is we modified one of the past hors d'oeuvres and we ended up going with both soups, but we turned one of them into an intermezzo. But actually, we really did almost no revisions to the menu whatsoever. It was fantastic, and it literally wowed us at the tasting, and it was just as good at the wedding. That's fantastic. Now, I know you had a detailed minute-by-minute timeline of your day, but for the purposes of the podcast, can you give a sort of quick overview of your timeline of the day? Yeah, most definitely. It's interesting because I think unlike a lot of other Disney weddings, ours by design was very late. Uh, We wanted to have that kind of glamorous nighttime wedding. And originally, we were going to follow the order of events that most Disney couples do. So the way you would normally do it, of course, is you would have your your wedding ceremony. Then you would do what Disney calls your pre-reception or your cocktail hour. And then you would have your reception. And that was our original plan. But then along the way... It turned out that the wedding that happened in the Rose Court Garden at 5 o'clock, so the one right before us, was hanging a chandelier in the gazebo, and they were also having the horse-drawn carriage. And so what happens is, in the turnaround time after a wedding like that, they have to bring a lift in and actually take the chandelier out. Mm -hmm. And so what was going to happen was, that wasn't going to leave enough time after all that stuff got cleared to set up our wedding. So as Adam had mentioned before, we had a custom red carpet aisle runner. It was the exact width of the aisle in the Rose Court Garden. So uh, I happen to know this. It's seven feet, ten and a half inches. And it was 121 feet long. And it took one and a half hours to install it. So there wasn't going to be enough time by the time they did the strike for the other wedding for us to do the setup for ours. And so we weren't sure what to do at first, but then we came up with the idea of, well, what if we do the cocktail hour first, then do the wedding, and then do the reception? And what Sarah from Details Details told us was that is almost always what they do for the other weddings that they plan, because for people who are local, if you do the cocktail hour first, it buys you time if anyone runs late in traffic. So we ended up doing that. So what our day looked like, it it was kind of a long day, actually. We decided that we should eat something earlier in the day uh, to make sure that we didn't pass out later on. Mm -hmm. So originally, we we have a tradition of going into Disneyland and having a Mickey waffle at Carnation Cafe. And we did have a reservation to do that, but then we realized it was probably going to eat up too much time. I had also been up, at, let's see, I think I went to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning the night before because I was arranging all of the handmade leaves and flowers for the wedding cake. Wow. So, yeah, we decided we better scale our plans back a little bit. So we had breakfast at Storyteller's Cafe. 
at the Grand Californian with a couple of our friends. I want to say it was maybe around 9.30 or 10. Yeah, that's about right. Then from there, I moved into the ballroom and did the setup of our display wedding cake. And a couple of dear friends, um, Yvonne and Cindy, were there, and they helped set up the special linen that we had custom-made that went under the cake, and then I did the cake setup. And then from there, you weren't there, Adam. What were you doing at that time? At that point, I was shuffling... Uh, family members around to hair and makeup. I gone over to the Disneyland Hotel, which is where we had hair and makeup, also to check into the suite, which we would need a little later. And then um, I came back, picked up a couple of things that needed to move over with us to the suite so that Ted and I could get ready. And I, I mean, I want to say that, you know, the day moved pretty quickly once we kind of started in that. Yep. So hair and makeup started at 1130 in the morning. And what we did was we did do hair and makeup for ourselves. Uh, So the two of us as men, uh, we we went for it and we uh, actually found a wonderful makeup artist uh, from a company called Face It Sugar. Georgia was her name. And she was amazing at airbrush makeup. So she did our makeup. Uh, We did makeup for the four men and the four women in the wedding party, as well as our three mothers. So uh, to get the services for all 13 people, that started at 1130 in the morning. And the last people were done, I want to say, by like 4, 4, 4.30. Adam and I had hair and makeup between 1.30 and 3. And then at 3 o'clock, that's when we were able to get into the Adventureland suite at the Disneyland Hotel. So we used the Adventureland suite uh, for one night. And basically why we got it was we thought it would make a beautiful backdrop for photos for the two of us plus our parents and the wedding party. It did. Yeah, thank you. And given the preview photos that we've seen for the photographer, it worked out exactly as we had hoped. Um, Because we had sort of that kind of glamorous, kind of tropical feel in the suite that really went with the feeling of our wedding. And we had scoped out the property. And the Disneyland Hotel is lovely, but we didn't really want pictures in the lobby. We didn't really want them out by the palm trees for all of the pictures. And I think that we need to also remind folks, you know, it's warm in October at Disneyland. I mean, it was 75 to 80 degrees out. And so I think having us all inside in a room that was pretty, that was air conditioned, was totally the right choice because we'd have needed a lot of makeup rework if we had been outside during any of this time. That's a good point. Yeah. And quite honestly, you know, the Adventureland suite is not a bad place to spend a night. Um, So it was it was a lot of fun in that regard, just because it's such a it's a wonderful suite. So we did basically photographs and such in the suite. Then once that was completed at about five o'clock, we regrouped, did some more photos And then we actually had a period of time between the end of pictures and before the wedding ceremony. And so uh, what we did was we actually had some time, the two of us, to sit and eat a dinner snack at the dining room table in the suite with our photographer, Dina, and our makeup artist, Georgia. And it's actually a great memory for both of us because it was really nice to sort of sit down, have a few quiet minutes kind of regroup before doing the wedding and then the big reception that was to follow. It was also just kind of a nice time to sit and enjoy the suite for a few minutes. And like I say, you don't realize when you're getting married how you're going to be on your feet and running around the whole time. It was actually nice to sit for a few minutes and, and relax. And part of the reason we, we deliberately planned for that time is part of that time overlapped with our pre-reception. 
And we knew if we got down to the pre-reception that we would get swamped by our friends and, and loved ones. And we're just not going to get out of that back to the wedding ceremony. So our thing was, it was better for us to take that time for ourselves while, um, you know, our wedding party was at the uh, step and repeat, getting their pictures done at the pre-reception. I think all of our parents went, uh, I think mine skipped the picture though. Uh, so we had to get theirs later, but it really did turn out nice. And then we just had to walk, you know, take the elevator down from the suite into the garden for the wedding. Yeah. We had one pit stop though. And that was at hair and makeup for touch-ups. So originally we didn't plan to have the makeup artist stay all the way through until before the ceremony to do the hair and makeup touch-ups. But the day before at our rehearsal, we had a little bit of a revolt from our entire wedding party, men and women both, that they basically insisted that we have the touch-ups. So we had to um, have our wedding coordinator from Details Details, Sarah, reach out to Georgia from Face It Sugar to ask, is there any way that we could have her stay? I believe it was an additional three or four hours to do the touch-ups. In the end, she was able to do it, and quite honestly, it worked out really well, and I'm glad we had her there for the touch-ups. We probably should have planned that all along, um, you know, especially if you're going to ask people to wear makeup that aren't accustomed to doing it, and none of the four men in our wedding party had ever worn makeup before, um, so they felt a lot more comfortable getting touched up before the ceremony, and they all look really good in the pictures. Like, that's the thing. Um, we didn't want, and this was even for ourselves, right? We didn't want to look like drag queens. We just wanted to look good. Um, and it's funny, originally we thought about having hair and makeup for the rehearsal dinner as like a trial for us, plus the wedding party, plus our mothers, you know, due to budget and logistics, we decided not to do that. And looking at the photos of the two of us at the rehearsal compared to the photos from the wedding, we should have had the hair and makeup even for just the two of us for the rehearsal dinner as well. Because there, Dina, we had our photographer there uh, for the rehearsal as well, and she took photos with us and every pair of guests or group of guests as they arrived into the rehearsal. So in those photos, we look okay, but we don't look anywhere near as good as we do on the wedding day. And, and Ted says a photo, but he really should mention that it was a different step and repeat. So it was the kind of uh, animal and tiki themed backdrop that was the invitation for the rehearsal dinner that we had blown up onto that eight feet tall, 12 feet wide uh, step and repeat so that people could have pictures taken there. Originally we had planned it to be a selfie station really just as decor, but because we got there and the way that the lighting worked, the photographer said, oh, no, no, you just need to stand here as everybody arrives and get a picture with everybody. So for almost everybody who attended the wedding, we have great photos of them in their their most favorite tacky tiki shirt, you know, <laughs> Hawaiian shirt, you know, against this tropical background. And then we have them the night after in black tie against the very professional step and repeat. So it's a really cool set of pictures that we have now of both events of everybody. And the fun thing was it's the same frame for the step and repeat. So those custom printed fabric backdrops Velcro on. So we basically, after the rehearsal dinner, Velcroed off that background and put the wedding background on, Velcroed it into place and off we went. So it was good to be able to use that um, for both occasions. Got it. Yeah, so uh, finishing out the timeline. So the cocktail hour ran from 7 to 8.15, and then the guests basically had 30 minutes and were escorted 
from the Grand Californian to the Disneyland Hotel via Downtown Disney. The ceremony ran from 8.45 to 9.15, and then the guests again were escorted back through Downtown Disney between 9.15 and 9.45. To get us over to the ballroom much faster... Did we drive ourselves? No, because we forgot that the car was parked at the wrong hotel. <laughs> uh, because I had done the valet running back and forth earlier in the day, I had the car at the wrong hotel. So um, what was really great was Disney Fairy Tale Weddings has uh, a golf cart. And we were able to work that with Michelle uh, so that we could take that almost immediately after walking out of the garden across the street into the Grand California. So we beat people by a good 10 minutes. And because they had made arrangements with security, they moved through downtown Disney much faster than we estimated. So our uh, wedding guests actually ended up waiting outside the ballroom for about 15 minutes so that Ted and I could have our first look at the decor, which we hadn't seen all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, they were allowed to enter so that we could step in later at the grand entrance. Yeah, and something that we did is we actually asked photo and video to capture the guests' reactions when they walked in because we weren't going to see for the grand entrance. Um, and it's really interesting because the guests all walked in the room and then they all kind of stopped in front of the wedding cake and they didn't go any further for like a minute. And they had encouraged people to go into the room. The room was because of the way it was set up with the one giant table and all of the decor, it was something, it was something to behold. And walking in there just when it was the two of us and seeing it for the first time is both of one of our favorite memories. Um, again, the decor was just incredible. And the one thing that was really nice was the actual design of the Grand Californian Ballroom itself, the Sequoia Ballroom, has a little bit of sort of a natural and almost tropical feel to begin with. So putting the decor that we did into that room, it really worked very well together. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, it really enhanced uh, what was already there. So then, so we saw the room, then we stepped away, and our parents and the wedding party, we were all taken to a side room and held. Uh, The doors opened at 9.45, and the guests eventually got in the room and settled in. And then at 10 o'clock, we did our grand entrance, Uh, and then... You um, You should jokingly point out that we had to actually stop bar service so that we could encourage our guests to sit so that we could get into the grand entrance before we actually started the reception. It was kind of funny. Um, the banquet manager said, oh, I'm so sorry. We have to stop the cocktails for just a minute so that we can get you all in here. It was super cute. Yeah, we knew a bar package was the way to go with our crowd because they like to drink. And yeah, they did actually have to suspend bar service temporarily just to get everyone seated. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we could do the grand entrance. Well, then what we did was we decided not to have toasts or a lot of speeches during the reception, we feel like sometimes those can kind of drag on and get a little bit boring. So instead, uh, we had our parents do a welcome toast. And we have three sets of parents. Um, so uh, we had um, Adam's father, Ken, and his stepmother, Linda. Then uh, Adam's mother, Judy, and his stepfather, Doug. And then my parents, Rosie and Bill, each of the three of them gave welcome toasts, and they were quite lovely and quite touching. And then um, our officiant gave the benediction for the dinner. And Adam should probably tell a fun and little bit of a story on, on why we selected the officiant we did, because it was a very personal choice. Yes. So um, 
Reverend Cameron is a dear friend of mine and has been since college. So uh, we've been through thick and thin for, I'll say, just a few decades. Uh, I think it's about 22 years now. And so when we um, decided to get married and when Ted asked, um, you know, we looked at, well, being not overly religious, who do you have do your ceremony? And really, when we looked around, we didn't really find a, a lot of great fits. And, you know, I had kind of said, well, maybe we should call Cameron and see if he would do it, even though as an Episcopal minister, it would be a little bit more of a religious, solemn ceremony. And, you know, I would say Cameron really hit it out of the park on that. Um, we had many of our relatives, kind of long married couples, um, talk about how much they enjoyed his homily and service about um, how marriage really is. Right. I mean, a lot of what you hear in many ceremonies is all about the good time and the the up part, the you know the beauty and and you know that first moment of love, and really what gets you through a marriage is the hard work of true love, and so you know it really ended up being a very moving ceremony, um, and it was really important to me that Cameron was able to come with his husband and uh, perform the ceremony. So I think that was the the best choice for us at the time. That's fantastic. He did a fantastic job. So then uh, we moved into the dinner service, and dinner ran from 10.35 p.m. to 12.25 a.m., um, and it was a plated meal. Uh, we felt like buffets are nice, but we felt like when you're making everyone come in black tie it's and sitting at this like big elaborate table, it's just easier to keep them seated and have the food brought to them. To quote a friend, it is not kind to make your, your female guests walk in high heels of three plus inches across the room to get their own plate. <laughs> <laughs> so again, guest experience being a driver, we made that decision. So the way it worked was um, the first course salad was served at 10.35 p.m. Uh, soup was served at 10.50. The intermezzo was at 11.15. The entree was served at 11.30. Um, we did the cake cutting at midnight, dessert was served at 12.10, and dinner was finished at 12.30. And Sarah Stoll told us she was very proud of herself. Uh, we hit that timeline to the minute in terms of the meal service. Wow. Um, yeah, which was amazing. Um, and then after that, uh, we had dancing. And we decided to pay Disney to extend our reception by an hour because we figured dinner was going to take a long time and then we wanted people to really get up and enjoy dancing. So um, we danced until 2.45 in the morning. Um, my relatives, my um, aunt and uncle from Iowa, um, they were on the dance floor at 2.15 in the morning telling us what a great time they were having. Um, and when we heard our DJ, uh, we had a wonderful DJ, Mike Carcano, um, he had told us, I will have people on the dance floor until the last moment. And he did. In fact, people would have kept dancing if we could have. And as we were leaving, our banquet captain, Leslie, was telling us that we have the distinction of having the latest ever wedding reception to end at the Grand Californian. They have never had a wedding reception run until 2.45 in the morning. And like I say, the crowd was had steam and could have kept going. But we wanted to end it where you want people wanting more. That's the perfect time to end. And so we were very pleased with with how it turned out. That's fantastic. Well, you also have the distinction now of having the longest ever episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, no, we're talking. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's fascinating. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you. 
You've talked a bit about that wow moment when you first saw the reception set up. What was the favorite memory of the entire day for each of you? There were two points during the scheduled day where Ted and I had really kind of us time. Uh, Earlier before the wedding ceremony, uh, we had that moment where everybody was at the cocktail hour and we got to have a little snack together in the, the suite Um, just between photos and things. And it was really nice to kind of have that moment to reset. We'd been running a really fast pace up till then. And then um, we ended up, uh, again, because everything ran so well, we ended up with another 10 minutes of together time before we ended up walking down the aisle as uh, our guests were getting seated. And I think those two are at a tie for my favorite moments of the day. Um, certainly the, the decor moment was awesome, you know, to see something you've worked on for over a year was definitely there. But I think having just a few minutes with Ted was really special. Having been together for nearly 12 years by the time we got married, um, you know, that meant a lot to me. And so I think that was my favorite. Yeah, I I echo those. I think I would also throw in just a couple more. Um, our parent speeches were really quite moving and quite touching. And we have not obviously seen the video yet, but I'm really glad that we had uh, a video team there to capture those. I think that those will be really important, not only to see now, but also in the future. Um, Then this is kind of a fun one. So uh, one of the things about the Adventureland suite is there's actually like a little hidden grotto that's behind the shower area in the main restroom. And it's got, it's sort of like a miniature hot tub, but it's really just for your feet. So we ended up soaking our feet after running around all day at four o'clock in the morning in the magic little grotto. And let me tell you, it felt great. And just being in that room, kind of, again, some quiet time together after all of the madness of the wedding, that was really fun. And then a little bit of a comical moment was the next morning as we were getting ready to check out of the Adventureland suite, we were trying to find all of the things that you would normally need in the room. For example, say a telephone or a television. remote or a box of Kleenex because what happened and we didn't realize this was going to happen but it makes sense our visual team so the photography and the video people the moment we were given access to the room the day of the wedding at three o'clock the first thing they did was sweep in and hide every single that would be a distraction in the pictures so every remote every box of Kleenex anything and everything that could be a stray object in the way was hidden and let me tell you that room has a whole lot of drawers and a whole lot of cabinets and there's stuff i never did find i finally just kind of gave up we had to find our clothes that we came in originally that we changed out of um so it was kind of fun it was a little bit of a now where would you put a remote uh how about this anything that wasn't bolted to the ground was moved was moved away yes and it was really kind of an adventure that day to try and find everything um even to find just a glass to use after you brush your teeth was hard. And so it was kind of a funny adventure that we had to have that morning to find stuff, you know, and to turn off the, the soundtrack. Um, the Adventureland suite has three soundtracks that play through the whole suite. Um, and we couldn't find the remote to turn it off. So right. we actually had to leave running. Uh, it, it was just kind of a cute, funny moment. I was like, okay, well, we'll just let that go. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so then I always ask this question, was there anything that went wrong or just didn't turn out like you expected? First of all, I would say overall, we were amazed at how incredibly well 
our wedding turned out given all of the moving parts and there's a probably a vendor list of over 20 different companies that were involved with the wedding. They all did a fantastic job. So let me first say that there was no big showstopper. There was no big disappointing <clears throat> moment. Yeah. However, just like everybody else's wedding, there are hiccups that happen throughout the day. Um, and I think Ted's going to talk about a couple of them that are, are kind of funny, but it was nice to know that Sarah was going to handle those. And Frankly, one of them that was kind of the big one that Ted handled, I didn't even know about. So, yeah, the way it works is when you bring details, details in, basically they are authorized to take care of any hiccup that comes along. The only difference would be if something happens that's going to cost extra, and, and that's what happened to us. Um, so what happened was um, our uh, DJ, Mike Carcano, was also hired to do our lighting. Um, and so for the reception, he was doing these gobos, uh, which are basically custom designs that project light. And we had gobos that not only looked like um, tropical leaves, but we had one that was an image of two tiki birds in tuxedos that was kind of like a loose take on the two of us that was our logo for the reception. The problem was Mike did not realize how large the massive leaf arrangements were going to be that Square Root created. So I think the one in the middle of the room was maybe standing on top of the table 15 feet, 18 feet tall. I saw it earlier in the day when they brought the leaf arrangement in and it came in um, on in its own shipping crate. Um, we had nine arrangements of these massive Monstera leaves on these beautiful rose gold wire urns. Those nine arrangements were so large, they filled their own tractor trailer truck when the decor was brought in. So that middle arrangement was enormous. So long story short, it was so big that the equipment that Mike, our DJ, had to project the gobo was basically putting the gobo on the arrangement and not on the wall. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it was either we had to scrap it, which we really wanted the image, or Disney Engineering was willing to hang the gobo in their system, which technically they're really not supposed to do if you bring an outside gobo in, but they were helping us out at that point. Um, but there was an additional charge to do so. So I authorized the charge. And then what was really nice was Mike, our DJ, subtracted the amount that Disney charged us to do that from his invoice. So basically it was a wash to us, but he wanted us to have the, the gobo. So, so that got resolved with a simple phone call between myself and Sarah. There was one other thing that we found out, I think it was like the next day or two after that I wasn't real happy with. Um, so we were very fortunate to have some friends who are cast members. So one of our friends, and actually it's a couple who helped me do the proposal. Uh, they are now in Walt Disney World, and they flew all the way across the country to attend our wedding. So Ashley and Jamie were there, and a friend of theirs had been in our reception room earlier in the day and taken a picture and texted it to them, asking, is this the wedding you're going to tonight? And we wanted that decor to be a secret, so I was not thrilled to hear. So apparently what was happening was word kind of got out in the resort that this was something to see. And cast members were finding their way over to take pictures to the point where Leslie, our banquet captain, told me later she actually ended up putting banquet people at every door going into the Sequoia Ballroom to stop anyone who wasn't a vendor or part of Details Details or Disney Weddings from going in the room. 
So it's fun and flattering that people wanted to see it, but it is really disappointing that guests actually saw what it was going to look like when they really shouldn't have. So, you know, it is what it is. Hmm. Interesting. Now, was there any aspect of the wedding that seemed like a big deal beforehand or you were worried about and then it turned out okay? Yeah, a couple of them are security related. So whenever you have large trucks going into the Grand Californian, they have to first go through a safety inspection. Uh, I think it's looking for um, anything that could be like a safety threat on the truck because the trucks actually drive in and go under the hotel. Um, so I was worried about like how involved that was going to be. The vendors only have a certain amount of time. They're given this like window of opportunity to go and be inspected. And if somebody ran late, what was going to happen? Honestly, I'd never heard that there was a single problem with that. That was basically a breeze. And then the second security related thing was getting guests through downtown Disney and clearing them through security. I was worried that it might really slow things up, but it didn't. Uh, everyone got there on time for the wedding. And I think on the way back, about halfway through, they just let a lot of people go through because they were part of the wedding and they had already been through security once before. I would also add, I think we talked a little bit about this earlier, the electricity in the Rose Court Garden. So we were very fortunate that Mike Carcano actually offered to do a complete mock-up of the lighting before the wedding. So when we were in Anaheim in August, for our menu tasting, we had set up a time with Mike to do this mock-up in the garden, and we had arranged with Disney Weddings to have a power drop out there for Mike to do his setup. Um, unfortunately, there were some things wrong with the electricity in the garden, and we ended up blowing a circuit, and we weren't able to see the lighting, etc. So I think both of us were a little nervous that there was going to be problems with electricity on the night of our wedding, but it worked beautifully, and I believe the head of engineering for the Disneyland Hotel was on site on our wedding day and through our ceremony to make certain that we had power. So it worked out beautifully, but we were a little nervous. Okay, good to know. Now, do you have any tips or advice for future Disneyland brides and grooms? Yeah, actually, so we have many tips. <laughs> we have, you do the first one. And, and the first one is, has nothing to do with where you have your wedding. It, it has everything to do with having a wedding. And that is... Wedding insurance is available and is really economical, and I can't recommend it enough to brides and grooms uh, out there that if something happens, to have had wedding insurance, and we did, uh, and we used it for the second castle shoot where we went back into the park to cover a couple of hotel nights and, you know, tuxedo cleaning and hair and makeup again, it just... It made the day go so much easier knowing that anything that did go wrong, you know, we were going to be able to take care of and not have to worry about it. And so that one, I just, you know, if you're going to spend the kind of money that everybody spends on a wedding, it just for a couple hundred bucks or 150 bucks, you can get wedding insurance to cover all that kind of stuff. And it really is nice to have knowing that, you know, you're going to get all your security deposits back and uh, all that other stuff that goes with a wedding. So that was, I think, the biggest thing. Yeah, and I would just explain what had happened was we had we decided to do our castle morning shoot before our wedding because that was going to be before our parents were in town. We would just get it knocked out. We didn't have a white wedding dress, so we didn't have to worry about something getting dirty in the park. So it was really fortunate that we did do the photo shoot on the Wednesday before our wedding that was then on the Saturday. 
But unfortunately, there was a technical issue inside of Disneyland. Um, we had not only the castle, but we added two other locations, the Haunted Mansion, which was fine, and then Main Street USA. But you know how there's all those little white light bulbs on all the buildings on Main Street? They're called facade lights. Um, our photo shoot was at 5 or 5.30 in the morning, so it was still dark. But all those facade lights had been turned off. Oh. So Main Street was pitch black. So it kind of looked like what would Disneyland would look like if they couldn't afford the power bill. Um, <laughs> to be honest, when you go in early in the morning and you're in the rush, we did hair and makeup at 3 o'clock in the morning. They're taking you in the park. It's all very exciting. It took us a good 10, 15 minutes to realize the lights were off on Main Street. Long story short, um, what ended up happening was uh, they ended up offering us a second shoot to go back and redo Main Street USA, which we did the Wednesday after our wedding. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, the Disney portion of that was comped. But then there were the costs for extra hotel nights, extra meals, our clothes, hair and makeup again. The wedding insurance paid for all of that. So it was really good to have. Okay. I have another very practical one, and this is a piece of advice I read as we were planning our wedding. I really recommend couples set up a separate email account or address for their wedding that both of you can access. So in our case, we had uh, not only our website for the wedding, but then we had an email, and that email, all wedding-related stuff goes to wedding at adamandted.com. None of it goes to our personal emails. That way you're not sorting through your personal email all the time trying to figure out what's related to the wedding or not. So doing that, I think, kept everything very clean and it was easy to communicate. We also sent very elaborate communications out to our guests. I think we did four or five emails because many of them weren't familiar with Disneyland. So we had to explain to them that they had to book their hotels early and that they had to get the gay days rate before it sold out. Because, by the way, the gay days rate was like half of the wedding rate that we were offered. So it was a really good deal for people to book. I mean, we paid two sixty nine a night at the Grand Californian. Um, you know, for anyone that knows Disney, that's a really, really good rate. And so the communications were really important. We also had the coordinating website, and a lot of our guests used both the website and the emails, and although they'd never replied to our emails, they told us later how useful they found them. Another thing, and I know this might sound silly, but there's a couple reference books that I think every couple getting married should look at. The first one is actually the most important, and that's The Wedding Book by Mindy Weiss. Her book was fantastic. Uh, I referenced it all the time. Many of her ideas we utilized. Uh, we met with some of her vendors. We weren't able to afford to work with Mindy Weiss, but her book was fantastic. For 20 bucks, you can't beat the deal. And if you're doing a black tie wedding, Emily Post's wedding etiquette book is another very important one. Now, we had Sarah Stoll to help us with the next one. But even if you're just doing the wedding on your own, you really need to sit down and think through the logistics of the day. It's almost like walk yourself mentally through the day and think about, you know, what's going to happen at different times. Uh, are there things that we need to do to maybe change things around? Um, you don't just want to, like, expect the day to unfold in front of you. You have to really give some thought to how things are going to work, especially if you're using outside vendors or, say, you're doing a lot of DIY. You know, I think that leads back to something we mentioned before, which is whoever you get, whether it's a professional uh, wedding planning service, wedding coordinator like Details Details, or it's someone else, um, I recommend that it not be someone who is part of your wedding. Certainly no one in the, the wedding party 
or parents should be doing that coordination. Um, and in fact, that person is likely going to miss a lot of the ceremony and wedding if they're helping out with some of these activities. And so uh, if you have that extra set of hands, whoever it is, it really shouldn't be that tight, close family member that's, you know, also needs to be there for the pictures and, and whatnot. But it's of critical importance to have that extra set of hands, especially if you do DIY and you need to move something from A to B. Um, all that stuff takes longer than you think. And really having that extra set of hands identified up front made it so that when you needed them, the hands were there. This next tip is not necessarily a fun one, but it's very important. Read all of your contracts carefully, especially your Disney one, just because it's generally the largest. Make sure you really understand it before you sign it and read it again, cover to cover, about two weeks before the wedding. You want to make sure that you really understand what's in it. Um, and what you're responsible for. And then as well, when you get your final bill, it's kind of daunting the way they print the bill. I think ours with the BEO in it was 52 pages when it was done. Um, you got to look at it, though, and go line by line. We did find one very small mistake, but it was still a mistake that we had to have fixed. So you do want to review those documents carefully. I mean, it's not the, the fun, frilly side of the wedding, but at the end of the day, it's also kind of where the money is being spent. So you really want to pay attention to that. And, and I would add to that, uh, knowing what was in the contract, we were actually able to use another Disney service to help us out. So we had brought in additional flatware that matched the rose gold theme. And the ven vendor that we had bring that in didn't want to come back 2, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning to pick it all up. And there's actually a, a whole section in your contract with Disney about the fact that they will store stuff up to a certain point for a certain fee. Um, and so we were able to store all of the glassware and the silverware that we had rented um, until... Monday morning for, I think it was $80. Yeah, it was a very reasonable fee, and it yeah. saved a lot of logistics. So, yeah, that's a great point. Like, by knowing our contract, we knew we had the rights to that storage, so we asked for it. And then, of course, then they were able to give it to us. Um, if you are going to do like we did, and you're going to have an imperial suite, like the Adventureland suite that we had for one night, we highly, highly recommend you keep the other hotel room that you're using for your entire stay. So we had a room at the Grand Californian for either 10 or 11 nights total. We started the Monday before our wedding, and I believe we checked out the Thursday after our wedding. We kept that room and had two hotel rooms on the night of the wedding. The reason why we did that was you don't realize how much stuff you're going to have in your main hotel room for the wedding. And the thought of having to move all of that to take it into the suite and then move it again the day after it, it's almost like overwhelming to even having you know we never considered it but i've read and talked to other couples that have i know it's a cost to keep the room the other night but in terms of saving a lot of tension on the day of the wedding I, I would argue you got to stretch your budget a little bit further if you're going to do a special suite the night of the wedding or the night after Keep your other hotel room as well. Oh, definitely. And make it a point to run into and tip your maid or housekeeping service. They were awesome. And it was great that they were able to come in and help, you know, get us new towels. But, I mean, we could barely walk in our hotel room. Um, 
And it was just easier, you know, we explained to them what we were doing and they were really happy. They're like, oh, you're getting married. That's so wonderful. They're like, just let us know. You know, we don't have to come in and vacuum. We don't have to go over to this side of the room. We won't touch or take anything away, you know, because you wouldn't want them to mistakenly take something that, you know, is next to the garbage can, but isn't really garbage. And so from that perspective, it was really great. And, you know, it was a small gratuity. In, in relation to everything else, but it really did make life a lot easier given how much stuff you have. I mean, even most couples, you're going to have wedding attire, you're going to have lots of extra clothes, you're going to have, you know, gifts that maybe people will bring or stuff that you need that's of, you know, sentimental importance that you need for the wedding, like, you know, grandma's cake cutting knife or whatever. It, this stuff adds up, and I would tell you, we had big bins worth of stuff. I mean, we had the giant wedding cake. So it, it just it makes a big difference to have that room and not have to move everything. Yeah, and and I want to. You mentioned a word that made me think of something that I wanted to say tonight that we forgot to talk about, and that's gratuities and tips. So we actually went to Sarah Stoll at Details Details and asked her for a tipping guide, which she provided. I really highly recommend tipping all the people working on your wedding and all of your vendors. It's an added expense, and it does kind of add up. But I would argue vendors that get a nice tip at the start of your wedding day, I think really go above and beyond for you. And they really feel appreciated. And I think the being really nice, since we have our own wedding cake company, we sort of know a bit about the wedding industry. And we knew to treat all of our vendors very nicely. And they very much appreciated that. So yes, it's your wedding day and it's your special day. But remember that everyone that you've hired to work on your wedding, whether they're Disney or not, you need to be nice to them because they're there to make your day great. But if you upset them or you're mean to them, it's probably going to show in what they're doing for you. So it's just trying to be, you know, level-headed and kind of relaxed and enjoying the day as much as you can. And then the people that are there with you all day, especially photo and video, if you all can be kind of on the same page and happy all day, that that would be great. I, I can't imagine what it would be like otherwise. <laughs> That's great advice. And then one last little fun tip that we didn't know until we were in the middle of it. So we ended up doing a Disneyland VIP tour with a plaid guide on both the Monday and Tuesday after our wedding. And of course, it was always a dream to do that for us as Disney fans. But we brought our parents with us into the parks. We did Disneyland the Monday after and then DCA the Tuesday after. And our parents have some mobility issues, so we knew it was not going to be possible for them to stand in long lines. And we hadn't even thought about the fact that the Monday after our wedding was Columbus Day mm -hmm. and Disneyland was going to look like Christmas Day. Um, thankfully, we had the plaid who was able to help us, and Brandon was our plaid on both days, and he did a fantastic job. But a little bit of a fun plus, if you do a Disneyland VIP tour, is they will do your dining reservations not just for the day of your tour, for the entire length of your stay. So we were able to work with VIP tours to book all of our dining for the entire time that we were there. So we had a party of 18 at Blue Bayou. We had the, I forget the name of the room, but the round dining room in the big tower at Carthay Circle. They're able to make some real magic happen for you. And that was an added benefit that we didn't realize. We just thought that the tour itself was the main thing, but really the dining reservations was a huge plus as well. Wow, that's a great tip. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And also, I don't recommend the holiday. As a, a side note, that Monday of Columbus Day, 
was the day of a really bad California wildfire. And it made for a really ex- interesting experience in Disneyland. We have some of the coolest and really creepiest photos of dark sky and orange, you know, nearly fire behind the castle, even though it's several miles away. Uh, but it made the day really interesting all day. And it was packed. But it was, I mean, it was hot temperature. You could feel the hot on the wind. There was ash floating around in the air. It, it was just very, very interesting. And so I would say, you know, you got to watch for those things and just kind of roll with the punches. But it was, it was an interesting event nonetheless. Wow. Well, Adam and Ted, this is fantastic that you've been able to share so much detail and so many great tips about your day. I think it's going to be really helpful to anyone who is interested in getting married at the Disneyland Resort, and I appreciate you taking the time. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been great. That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com. <laughs>